0: It's time for the Stock Car Show on the Performance Motorsports Network, powered by the staff at Race Chaser Online. Your motorsports, your way, every day. And now, here's your host, Tom Baker.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Stock Car Show, presented by our good friends at HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. You can find them on the web at HMSMotorsport.com. And if you need anything in the line of driver safety gear or anything to do with driver apparel, as in uh, suits, shoes, gloves, helmets, anything like that, I suggest that you get to their website at HMSMotorsport.com and see what they have to offer. My name is Tom Baker. I am joined at the round table by Jacob Seelman both of us from racechaseronline.com, and we have two of our Race Chaser colleagues via the Race Chaser Skype line, Chris Murdoch and Cisco Scaramuza. We've also got uh, Jesse Little going to be stopping by the studio tonight to talk with us about his phenomenal run in last weekend's Truck Series race at Atlanta. Looking forward to talking with him about that and what he's got coming up This season, and we're also going to hear from Jimmy Showtime Blewett, one of my um, favorite modified racers, and somebody who is really a true character on the wheel and modified tour, and about anywhere else. He straps in to a race car up in the Northeast. We'll talk with Jimmy a little later, and Kyle Souza going to join us to talk about uh, all things New England motorsports. As we get going as well, Jacob uh, Newswire kind of thin this week, but we did have an announcement about Justin Marks making his debut for DGR Crossley in the Truck Series race at Vegas this weekend. And lo and behold, he's off to a pretty good start. That would be fastest in session number one of practice out in Vegas. Good, sir he's already won something and uh we're barely half a day into the race weekend um i don't know if i'm really surprised at that though the truck's fast we know justin's an extremely talented racer he's just one of those guys that i think he just kind of fell through the cracks a little bit as uh you know as all of these development drivers over the last 8 10 12 years have come up through the ranks for whatever reason you know nobody really got behind Justin and mm-hmm. gave him enough of a, I guess, enough of a push to keep him there. But, boy, whenever he gets an opportunity, he surely makes the most of it.
2: Yes, he does. He won a NASCAR Xfinity Series race for Chip Ganassi Racing a couple of years ago at Road, either Road America or Mid-Ohio. I'm going to have to double-check my facts on that in a second. It was one of them there, Road Course yeah, races. Yeah, I remember. I, I want
1: to say it was a Road America, but... I could be wrong. It was probably Middle ohio because I just said Road America. That's typically my luck when I typically try to... Typically how that works. When I try to just rely on my 50-year-old brain. Yes.
2: Either way, Justin Marks, very good talent. Uh, one of the brain trust behind GoPro Motorplex here in Mooresville. Yep. Oh, so, by the way. Yep. Uh, and very fast whenever he hops into a NASCAR National Series vehicle. Final practice actually underway here this evening in Vegas. And I have a feeling we'll have some more things to talk about after that. But what I am curious to talk about for a second, guys, is the comments that Brett Moffitt made during his media availability earlier today. Because... It was well-documented last week at Atlanta Motor Speedway that the win by Brett Moffat and Shiggy Hatori was huge. But then Brett Moffat comes to Vegas, and they ask him how it's setting in, and Brett responds partway through his quote with, I'd race for free if I was in winning equipment, or words to that effect. It's the passion of the competition. Now, I'm not going to judge whether it was smart or not that he said it, But gosh darn, I love that kind of love for the sport.
1: Well, yeah. Uh, Of course, then he went out and was second in the first practice. Yes, he was. He was good. Proving that um, it's no fluke. I mean, which I I guess will bring me to my first round the table for the evening. Let's do a buy or sell. And we'll get uh, Chris and Cisco in on this. I'll start with you, though, Jacob. Buy or sell Brett Moffitt as a championship contender in the Truck Series?
2: Buy it, buy it, buy it, buy it, buy it all day long. I am telling you this team was within a whisker of winning last year with Ryan Truex. They should have won a couple of races last year. And just bizarre circumstances kept them from sealing the deal and getting to victory lane. And I have said for years, Brett moffitt is a championship level race car driver. He had pure dumb, bad luck, cut him out of about five k and n Pro Series East titles, and you know he won a truck race for Red Horse as a part time driver beating one of the best in timothy peters i mean this is not a flash in the pan he's had speed in everything he's ever driven in brett moffitt is an absolute legitimate championship contender and i'm going to go so far as to say atlanta is not the only win that they will have before the playoffs this year
3: chris murdoch
1: what say you
3: i think i'm i'm gonna sell on this season um he did really good at atlanta i mean he got the win uh, but there's still a lot to be proven. I mean, he was he was really good uh, out throughout the the week in Atlanta, and he's he's probably going to do very well uh, come Vegas because those are two very similar tracks. Not well, I wouldn't say very similar, but no, and they're still half mile tracks. But like he he'll he'll do good, but I I just don't see him getting it done this season.
1: Cisco,
4: can I buy half of it and sell half of it?
1: No, this is, is a not lot? politics. No.
4: All right. Um. In that case. I I buy that they'll be around, but I sell the fact that they're going to contend for the championship. They'll hang around, but there's too many good teams, you know, top-tier teams that I'm watching in that series to say that they're going to be able to make a full championship run. I'm
1: buying it all the way. What? Uh, we agree. I, I Yes, uh, <laughs> surprise. I'm buying it all the way. People don't realize how resourced this team actually is. They're partnered with Kyle Busch Motorsports. That's correct. They they're are getting a Jassy satellite. Support. Yes, they are a satellite KBM team, and because of that, I believe they're totally legit. And I think we've seen enough of Brett Moffat to know that if you put him in good equipment and you give him the time. And give him the resources. He runs up front. I'm buying this all the way. And I think this may be one of the only teams that may compete with the KBM trucks this year. And, the, well, of course, you got Thor Sport, GMS, too. I was going to say, but, what the heck are you talking about, Thor but, Sport, and GMS? Well, I guess where court. I was going was, of the quote-unquote elite teams that Cisco mentioned, I think this is one, one of the only teams outside of that group that may be able to compete for the championship. And I think that's because of the affiliation. I would say DGR Crossley, but they're not really running for the driver's title. No, but they're they are running for the owner's yes. title. Yes, which, you know, again, that's a whole other thing. But uh, they, they're not running one driver for the championship right. this season. I so. don't
2: think they were prepared to run no.
1: one driver for the full season.
2: I don't think they really had the funding starting off. To do that, but I do think they wanted to make sure they could field a truck and get the people involved in that team right. acclimated to a full season before David went out and chased a, a driver for 2019, or sorry, for 2018. But I believe they are going to make that push, at least from what I'm hearing, for 2019 to try well, and sure see if the they can't find a driver.
1: Well, there would be now. I think Chris is going to run some this year, isn't he? Part time this yeah.
2: year, but I'm I'm talking about like I'm I'm petitioning David oh, if you're okay. listening. You're Chris wishing, I, yeah. I, I'm wishing. wishing David if you're listening and you can find some money, Chris Eggleston, for a 2019 Truck Series title run. You heard it here first.
1: Okay, and let's clarify something that's sort of been out there since the Atlanta race, Atlanta Truck race on Saturday, when Kyle Busch, well. Let's just say the wheel fell off his literally. effort. Uh, literally. Um, the Jackman and the rear tire changer, Kyle Busch was using a crew that was largely a makeshift crew from Stuart Haas Racing, and it was Quint Boyer's Cup crew. Now, a lot of these... wasn't all Boyer's Cup crew, but a lot of largely, it. was yes. largely, as I said. It, it, um, and a lot of these Cup teams are doing this to give their crews more reps, especially early in the season. I think they're happy to, to to provide these opportunities because, you know, with all the new procedures, I think they they just feel like like anything else at seat time. And uh, there was some question as to how this would get handled because typically that's, what, a four-week? Is it a four-week suspension? Is that how that typically works? Three-race. Three-race three race suspension? Um, so <laughs> there was some conjecture whether or not, that would affect their status with Clint Boyer. In fact, uh, NASCAR has suspended them from the truck series only, the Jackman and the rear tire changer. So they won't be changing tires or jacking Kyle Busch's truck for a little while, but uh, apparently they can still continue on with Clint Boyer, which is a good thing. Um, And so now, you know, I don't know that we'd actually set much of a precedent for that in the past, Jacob. It I was don't kind think of we
2: unusual. really had a precedent yeah. for that in the past. I feel like this is one of the first times that we've had this become a major thing because right. I think I feel like with the new pit crew rules this year and the limits to how many over-the-wall guys you can have and all that, the new style of pit stops, I think this is the first time we're seeing all these cup crews Transition down into both of the lower series on a very regular basis. But as you said earlier, Tom, they need the reps right now because the style of pit stop yeah. has
1: changed. Now, it's sort of unusual in the sense that you've got what amounts to a Ford team having guys go crew for a Toyota truck team um but again you know seat time is seat time and i don't know that we've ever had an issue like this with guys who were sort of crossing over series like that and how that would be handled from a suspension standpoint but uh mm. i think nascar made the right call Absolutely. just uh suspending them for Absolutely. that series so they can continue on and you do have to wonder though if uh seeing this type of situation come up may Make some teams think twice um, going forward about doing that. It does make you wonder, doesn't it? It really does. Uh, With that, we will step aside. When we come back, we're going to talk some IndyCar. Why? Because we can, and because there is a whole lot of IndyCar news to talk about. We've got lots to go still here on the Stock Car Show this evening. Don't go anywhere, because you might miss something fun. You're listening to the show exclusively
5: on the Performance Motorsports Network. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, rev up your career.
4: Hi, I'm Noah Gregson, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show.
1: Hi, I'm Noah Gregson, and I almost won the truck race last week. But not quite. (laughs) Uh, Not quite. Not quite. But he uh, definitely put on a good show. He did good. And I think Noah's going to be another driver, obviously, in the championship hunt this year for sure. Uh, Let's switch to IndyCar and talk some IndyCar because... We can. Been way more... Yeah, because we can. But there's been way more IndyCar news this week and lots of rumors going on. And honestly, I'm just excited that we may see a bump day again. I mean, qualifying may actually matter. Well, it's... Basically, all but assured that
2: we're going to see bump day because by my count, we're going to have 35 cars at this juncture trying to make the 102nd running of the Indianapolis 500, which is absolutely beautiful. Now, let's clarify. That's contingent on a couple of things. There is a fourth Dale coin car floating out in space that has not been confirmed or denied yet. However, from all accounts, it appears very likely
1: that that is going to happen. And looks like Connor Daly. We hope. That's the rumor. Uh, but let's start with what we know. Because yes. news broke today that was one of those surprise, not a surprise. We've been waiting yeah, for this like, and expecting <gasps> this. But, you know, uh, Sage Carum back in once again for Dreyer and Reinbold for an Indy 500 attempt. Mm-hmm. Um, Wix Filters, main sponsor for him. This, to me, is one of those things that we've just come to expect every year. Pretty much. These two are going to team up. Uh, I wish, still wish somebody would give Sage a full-time shot again. But So does Sage. Yeah, but um, good to see him back for Indy. Now, no confirmation yet of who's going to be in the second Dryer Reinbold car, but. However, Dennis Reinbold did confirm that
2: there is, in fact, going to be a second car. Yeah, just and, to clarify.
1: <clears throat> and whispers are that J.R. Hildebrand may well be the driver. Now, I guess my question here would be, and I'll go around the table once again um, buy or sell that either of these drivers, and let's, we're going to assume for a moment that it's J.R. Hildebrand. Buy or sell, either of these drivers have a solid shot at winning the Indy 500 Jacob. Can I, can I refer to the press conference from earlier today? You can refer to anything you'd like. All right.
2: Sage Carum, quote, We're going to do what we can, and I think what we can do is win this race. This will be my fourth start with Dryer and Reinbold, and every year I've been in that car, I think we've had a really, really good shot of actually winning the race. We just have to put all the little puzzle pieces together, and if we do that, it should be ours. Buy it all the way. Exhibit A, in his debut with Dreyer Reinbold in 2014 as a rookie... Sage Karam drove from 31st to finish
1: 9th and yeah. won Rookie of the Race that year. I think he was actually in the top five. For At one point, that yes, yeah, he too.
2: was. Yep. Exhibit B, while it was with Panther Racing in 2011, lest we forget J.R. Hildebrand came within one corner of actually winning yeah. the greatest spectacle in racing. Absolutely, not just one car, but both cars will have a shot to win this race. That's my bold prediction and I'm sticking to
1: it. Cisco, are you as firm in your resolution?
4: No, because I look at the statistics and I see four starts, zero top 5s, one top 10 and zero laps or two laps led
2: in four career starts for Karam.
8: Okay, so Cisco, I gotta see. Cisco I gotta, can I rebut yes, can
2: I, I rebut you? Yep. I want to rebut you here because <laughs> Sage Karam would have had a shot to win last year, if not for a battery issue halfway through the race. That car was in the top five and coming for the lead when the electrical gremlins started to send it catapulting in the wrong direction. He's always had the speed. It's just been mostly bad luck. I don't think those stats are representative of what Sage is actually capable of in this car.
4: That is fair, but this is Indy, and... There, are, I tell you, there are some guys who just cannot win at the 500 no matter what they do. See no Marco who, Andretti. They could have the fastest car by a country mile, and it doesn't matter because a cord will fall off and the car will blow up. Again, so, Mar-
2: <laughs> see any of the Andretti family not Mario. named Mario. Yeah. <laughs> so, I
4: mean, average start 24th, average finish 25th, I need to see it to believe it, please. Hildebrand, yes, I agree with you. He was so close. He came within one corner. Unfortunately, the wall found him. So
1: fate. Has I other think plan. the
4: drivers, if everything goes well and they do what we expect them to do, yes. Also, keep in mind, this is going to be a brand new chassis for these cars. So it could be very well where everybody's on the same playing field. We don't know. But I don't. Think that out of the box, they're going to have a better shot than the rest of the field.
1: Well, that wasn't really the question. The question was a solid shot. Didn't you say I'm you? You're selling, Jacobs buying, Chris Murdoch. You buying or selling? Either Karam or Hildebrand as solid candidates to win.
3: Um, I'm selling Karam, buying Hildebrand, just because Hildebrand's had better runs at it. They both have a good shot with their their cars. Uh. I I just, you know, it's just like Cisco said, Indy is such an unpredictable race. Anything can happen. It's hard to throw your eggs in one basket, but I I say the team as a whole has a really good shot to get it done.
1: I'm going to buy Caram and I'm going to sell Hildebrand. And I'm going to tell you why. Both drivers are very similar in that they're very aggressive by nature. They're, they're really not, I mean, they're, they're not what you would call thinking men's racers they're basically a big right foot now i'm buying sage Karam because i believe that every time sage has been in a car at indy he's had a shot to win as jacob said mm-hmm. it's mostly been luck i'm selling hildebrand a we don't even know for sure that he's going to be in the car but if he if he does turn out to be i i would buy carom before i buy hildebrand i just think sage has matured greatly and I think he's ready more than ever for his shot. He's had some sports car experience. He's also had, basically had it taken away from him. You know, he was a, he was a fast rising star just a few years ago. And I think Sage is going to really appreciate this opportunity more than he has any other. So I believe, Jacob, that I buy Karim. I'm not, not as, I'm not as uh, excited about Hildebrand, although I think he's a good choice for the ride. And I think because they're similar in personality, they probably make good teammates. Quote from Sage
2: Karam. I think I've just got to go in there now with the mentality of needing to finish the race, but also finishing well. And in order to finish well, you've got to first finish. I had Bingo. that mentali- mentality last year, and I think people saw what I was doing last year. I really wasn't taking the risks I would usually take, and I was just cruising around and staying out of trouble. Things were going really, really well with that strategy, and I think I was running a really good race last year, and I'm going to go in with that a similar mindset this year. I've learned a lot over the years not really having to put your car in positions that you don't need to early on in the race. I just need to get to the last 20 laps, and from there it's a sprint race. I did a lot of sports car racing last year, endurance racing so I've learned a lot about taking care of equipment and getting it to the end of the race and I didn't have any crashes last year in any races and I hope that's going to parlay into Indy as well I've learned to be smarter behind the wheel and more focused end quote that comes from maturity I think a lot of people forget just how young Sage Karam actually was when he first showed up at the Speedway as an 18 year old five years ago He's 23 now. He's got a lot more life experience. He's made mistakes. He's learned from them. He's got more race craft and more racing experience. And exactly what he said, Tom, I think his sports car experience last year from driving with Lexus and specifically from being able to soak in information and learn from Scott Pruitt, who's one of the kings in any form of racing yeah, really. ever. Yeah, That is all knowledge that I believe will help Sage this year. I believe he is a much more well-rounded driver and much more focused driver on the task at hand now than he ever was in any of his earlier attempts. And I believe he is going to go into it this year in the right headspace, and that is going to allow him to contend. In JR's case, if... He is confirmed to the second DRR car. I believe he goes into it believing this is his last shot. And I would argue his best shot since his rookie year with Panther. I I would argue that last year the position he was in with Ed Carpenter was good. But at the same time, I felt like last year Ed was really still feeling out his program, Tom. I feel like that program this year is better than it was, too.
1: Well... We'll find out in a couple of months, but uh, certainly good to see Sage back in the field. We got more IndyCar news that we'll catch up on later in the show. Some really interesting stuff going on around the paddock at uh, within the IndyCar ranks right now, especially where it pertains to the 500. We're going to step aside when we come back as we continue to move around the racing universe. We're going to hear from Kyle Souza and talk some new england motorsports and then we're uh, hoping to have jimmy showtime blue it on deck in just about uh, 15 minutes or so so look forward to that and we've got um jesse little coming up next hour as well you're listening to the stock car show presented by hms motorsport the leaders in motorsport safety exclusively on pmn the performance motorsports network
4: Hey, I'm T-Bone. I'm Mark Sidell. I'm Jay
0: Weezy. I'm Will, and we all work at WFNZ. And we all attended Carolina School of Broadcasting. What's up? I'm QCB, and we don't want you to be confused. There's only one accredited broadcast school in Charlotte, and that school is Carolina School of Broadcasting. It matters where you get your education. Get yours where we got ours. Carolina School of Broadcasting. They are accredited.
4: Financial aid is available for those who qualify, and VA funds are accepted. Call 704-395-9272 or visit CSB Radio TV.
7: At what age and size should a child start using a booster seat?
6: Don't assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
0: It's time to catch up on the latest from the New England racing scene. On the Stock Car Show, here's Tom Baker with Kyle Souza.
1: Welcome back to the Stock Car Show. Presented by our good friends at HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety, Tom Baker, Jacob Seelman, and Cast, taking you through another evening of motorsports conversation here on the Performance Motorsports Network. And we are about to welcome our New England correspondent, Kyle Souza, who also writes for Area Auto Racing News and is part of the NASCAR Home Tracks PR team. And Kyle, welcome to the show once again. And. Boy, I got to tell you what we're hearing about Jimmy Blewett in the last day or so—he's going to be a busy boy this summer.
9: Yeah, I mean he's going to be jam-packed. Uh, he had already had some plans, obviously, to run uh, some of his own family modifieds over the course of the year, uh, and, and now Jacob—he's added a new. Uh, playing to his 2018 schedule, a couple more wheel and modified tour races. Why don't you fill us in?
2: Yes. So this was an exclusive. We got to racechaseronline.com earlier this week in regards to the fact that Jimmy Blewett is going to be driving three NASCAR wheel and modified tour races for Eddie Harvey This season in what was the 11 will be the one in 2018 because of Burt Myers driving a good chunk of the races in that car, but because of Burt's schedule and sponsor commitments at Bowman Gray Stadium down here in North Carolina, that means that he could not attend three of the scheduled eight or nine races that they were originally going to do together. Enter an old family friendship, Kyle, between the Blewett family and the Harvey family. Jimmy's dad actually drove for Eddie's dad back oh a while ago during the early days of the modern era wheel and tour. So uh, naturally, this partnership finally comes to pass. Jimmy going to drive for Eddie in the Thompson 125 in June at Langley in June, and they will kick off this three-race partnership at the Napa Spring Sizzler at the end of April up at Stafford Motor Speedway in Connecticut. And I know, Kyle, uh, this is exciting times. I mean, you stop and consider back in 1986 at Star Speedway, John Blewett Jr. and Eddie Harvey's dad were racing together. John Blewett Jr. was driving for Eddie's dad at that time, and they won a NASCAR Wheel of Modified Tour race at Star Speedway that year. This is how far back these two families go. And Jimmy talked to me over the phone this week. He is absolutely giddy about this. It, it's not funny how much these two are looking forward to working together.
9: Well, I mean, I think I, I think that's a good point, and I think that Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy's one of the few drivers. Someone said one of the few drivers. He's one of the, the drivers that I, I know has fun at the track every time he's there. I mean, obviously. You know, you're not going to have that much fun if you're crashed out of a race or you didn't have a good run. But Jimmy tries to make it as fun as possible. Uh, He makes it a family affair. He's got a lot of friends at the track every race that they go to. And and let's be honest, he's frequented the Wall Stadium in New Jersey over the last couple of years. He was dominant there in the modified division this year. Also won some races in their uh, their weight model division. But uh, this is really an opportunity for him to go back tour racing and Jacob, you you know, you mentioned his family car. He's got the a couple race deal right now with Ed Partridge to fill in when Ryan Priest misses a couple races to run in the NASCAR Xfinity series. So so realistically, this is shaping up to be Jimmy running a majority of the 16 race schedule between Partridge, Harvey, and his own car. And correct me if I'm wrong, Jacob, but I think he told you, you know what, if we're in the points championship we would be kind of silly to to back out of it and not attend all the races. Exactly right. That's what Jimmy said. His ultimate goal is
2: to run the entire tour. It's just a matter of whether or not the right resources and the right situations are there to make it happen. He said, Tom, that his grandfather is behind him 110% and if they have an opportunity to make some things happen, that he believes they absolutely will make some things happen. And Showtime on the Tour is just great for the Tour, let's all be honest. Jimmy Blewett is one of the characters, I'll call him, of the NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour, and he surely puts on a show anytime he gets out on the racetrack, especially when you consider the kind of equipment that his family puts out and the kind of equipment that Eddie Harvey and Eddie Partridge put onto the racetrack, he's going to be a threat every time he shows up this year, whether it's a full tour or just, you know, 10, 11 races. He's going to be a threat to win.
1: Well, absolutely. I mean, the Blewett name goes back decades and a couple of generations uh, in modified racing. And certainly the fam, fan base is huge. And, you know, honestly, I, I think I remember, and I'm, I'm reaching back now, but I'm pretty sure I remember that uh, John Blewett used to run a Gremlin back in the days of old at uh, Riverhead and places like that down there. And, you know, honestly, he may have been one of the most successful with that body, if I'm remembering that correctly. But, you know, it's uh, Showtime, as you said, is a character and the tour needs people like Jimmy Blewett because it connects them back to the years gone by and the weekly racer and i think it'd be great to see him be able to contest the full tour even if he has to run a couple of different cars to do it
2: it's kind of a throwback isn't it kyle when you consider what jimmy's trying to do this year
9: yeah i I think so i think that's a good word for it and i i I know what we've seen him run a lot of tour races over the last couple years let's not forget he drove for bob garbarino (laughs) Uh, and the Mystic Missile a couple of years ago for a full time campaign. Then then they parted ways after the 2016 season, and we saw him a couple times in the 2017 season. But you know what? You're right. This is one of those guys that we really need back on the tour. Uh, you know, I think we're going to we'll talk a little bit next week about what's coming up on the 2018 Wheel Modified Tour and some of the drivers. But, Jacob, this is, adds another name to the list of drivers that when we go to the racetrack, we think can really win the race as soon as he unloads. I mean, there's a stacked list, and that list is growing longer and longer of these drivers that when they show up to the racetrack, we know they're going to be a contention right from the moment that they unload the car.
2: Absolutely. And a large part of that, Kyle, is something that I talked with Eddie Harvey about earlier in the week and we've discussed a little bit on this show in the past, but I want to revisit it for a minute. The boost that Wheel and Engineering has put in to the Wheel and Winner of the Race Award, making most of these tour shows ten thousand dollars or more to win the race and really trying to help these teams out and make it more economical for some of these teams to run more of the races. This is a big deal, and it's something that Eddie Harvey said to me specifically. He said with all the work that Phil Kerr's, Wheel and Engineering, Tour Director Jimmy Wilson, that all these guys are doing to try and make this tour stronger for the drivers and team owners and teams that are involved in it. He said if he can get a sponsor or two to come on board for this, he wants to run all the races this year. He's really trying hard to be committed to that. It just takes the right opportunities. But things like the winner of the race award getting boosted, these are just opportunities that are helping the field as a whole. We saw last year 25, 30 car fields regularly at a good number of the races on the tour. And I think we averaged 22 or 23 cars that ran all of the races or more than 75% of them. I mean, we're on an upswing, and I only see this growing even further.
9: Yeah, I agree. I mean, we're still a couple weeks from the first drop of the green flag, uh, and we've got a great field of cars assembled uh, for that opener at Myrtle Beach, and I think it's going to be that way. Really, for much of the season. I mean, this tour is shaping up to be one of the best seasons we've had in a long time. And I mean, ever since that merger between the North and the South tour to combine and, and make one unified wheel modified tour, there's been a lot of questions of who was going to support the tour, you know, and who wasn't. But I, I think this year could be really one of the best in recent memory.
2: I hope so, Tom. I mean, I think that's what we're all hoping. You and I both are big fans of the modified division, and we want to see it be strong. It is NASCAR's oldest racing series, dating all the way back to 1948. So, you know, NASCAR needs the Modified Tour to be strong, I feel like, to keep their roots strong in the short track world, and I think we're seeing that this year, and I hope when we roll into Myrtle Beach in a couple of weeks, last year I was there and I think we had, what, 25 cars, Kyle, if I remember right, somewhere in that vicinity, I want to see that or more this time around.
9: Yeah, I think it's going to be very similar to that. And I think that's going to be, uh, it's going to kind of be the norm for this season. I I mean, I hope that that's going to be the norm for this season. I think it's going to be a really good year, car count wise, a really good year with the amount of cars there are, first of all. And then, second of all, the amount of talent that's on that NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour has really gone to a new level over the last couple of years. So, I mean, I'm looking forward to it, Jacob. And I'm also looking forward to uh, one of the biggest events, really. Uh, In the history of the NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour, Tom, it's going to be the longest event in the NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour history. And definitely one of the races that we're going to watch is that 250 lap race as part of the first annual short track extravaganza uh, up in New Hampshire Motor Speedway in September.
1: Well, and I was going to bring that up because we've had an announcement about live pit stops on the tour this year. And I got to tell you. I love that idea because, to me, growing up as a kid, watching the Modified 200 on Labor Day weekend in Oswego every year and seeing live pit stops as the norm, I think that is absolutely going to shake things up on the tour. Yeah, and this is
9: not the only place that they're going to do the live pit stops. This is going to be no. one of many for the 2018 season. Uh, they're going to do the live pit stops again at Thompson and Stafford like they've kind of done over the last couple of years. But this is also going to branch out to some newer tracks uh, in the 2018 season. Of course, that is not solidified on which tracks right now. It's going to be a right. majority uh, from what I'm told. Obviously, they're not going to be doing any pitting at Seaconk because of the way uh, the pit area is in the back of the track. So there's not going to be real pit there because if you go to pit road at Seacock, you're going to go a lap down, right? Uh, easily with you know even making a small wedge adjustment, you're going to go a lap down just because of how small the facility is and where you have to go to pit. So uh, obviously not going to see that at Seacock, but we're going to see it at a lot of the tracks throughout the 2018 season. I think that's a benefit to the tour, and it really adds a new element to this 250 lap race at Loudon, one of the one of the most talked about races I think in the off season. Definitely the talk of the off season for the Wheel and Modified Tour. And a lot of questions going into that race. Nobody's really sure what to expect uh, on that one, Maya Lova. But as Jimmy Wilson told me, it's one of our most competitive tracks, and it's going to be one of our biggest events in the history of the tour. It really seems like a great fit to have that 250 there at Loudoun.
1: I agree 100%, Jacob. I think... This is going to be a really exciting race and something different to focus on this year for the tour.
2: Oh, good grief. Absolutely. It's going to be different. It's going to be fun, Kyle. In about our last minute or so here in this segment, I want to give a little bit of kudos out to a driver who won a race in the south. However, uh, he had... A very good showing in recent years in the North has contended for, and I believe won a championship or two in the Pro Stocks, uh, which down here are super late models, but how about Derek Griffith winning a Pass South super late model race down in our neck of the woods at Dillon, South Carolina, the opener for the Pass South and Pass National Championship Series good to see a northerner come down for one of these national races and take home the victory in it I think one of the last ones that uh, really was a contender outside of the obvious that being Ben Rowe would have been Joey Dwyer a couple of years ago but Griffith I believe is going to run all the national championship events this year and try to knock Ben off his perch this was just great to see
9: uh, this is one of those kids that's really been on a tear up here in New England, and I know he went down to uh, the New Smyrna Speedway for the World Series of Asphalt Stock Car Racing and had a little bit of a tough week for him and his standards. They didn't get to victory lane. Uh, their best finish was a third, which you know seems great, but they didn't run that well throughout the course of the week. And he'll you know he'll tell you that right away. But uh, great opportunity for them that they drove up, uh, grabbed another car, made it ready, and drove back down just within a couple days and. Uh, great battle, really, for all of New England down there, Jacob. Ray Christensen running well uh, down there as well. Those two kind of fought for the win in that race. So this past South series, uh, really off to a good start. And uh, a couple of the Northern guys going down there and invading. I'll be interested to see, though, uh, if some of the Southern guys make their way to New England. Are they going to try and uh, do what Griffith did? We'll have to find out. That North schedule starting to shape up to be a good win as well. A lot of exciting things in the Super 8 model realm up here in New England
2: absolutely right and with that we are going to thank kyle for returning to the stock car show presented by hms motorsport and step aside and when we return we'll have more racing conversation you never quite know what we're going to get into but we'll be back with the stock car show right after this here on pmn the performance motorsports network
8: you know what really gets a
4: party started indoor baseball Yeah, just find a broom or a pool cue, and you can use, like, anything as a ball. Cans, bottles, shoes.
9: Hey, bro, toss me that avocado.
5: Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Underage drinking and driving, the ultimate party foul. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Car Care Center, rev up your career.
4: No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date?
6: Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together.
4: Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. <laughs> I can
5: probably swim.
2: Uh, you should wait 30 minutes.
5: Mm, okay, <laughs> tell me what to do.
4: especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Tyler Reddick, and you're listening to Race Talk on the
1: Performance Motorsports Network. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show, presented by HMS Motorsport, the leader's. In motorsport safety, you can catch them on the web at HMSMotorsport.com or visit either one of their two retail locations, one in Danvers, Massachusetts. That's somewhere near Boston. And one down here in Mooresville, North Carolina, just about five minutes from our Race to the USA PMN studios. Tom Baker, Jacob Seelman, Cisco Scaramuza. Yes. (laughs) And Chris Murdoch, all from RaceChaserOnline.com, where we give you your motorsports news your way every day, all day long. And we've got uh, Bill Holt from the Carolina School of Broadcasting doing an expert job of punching buttons in the other room behind the glass. And uh, waiting for uh, Jimmy Blewett to connect with us here. And while we do that, I want to pick up where we left off with the IndyCar stuff because... I um, we didn't get a chance to talk about either of two things that I want to mention here. First of all, the idea that uh, the Bird family sponsorship may come back into play, Jacob, and I. This perhaps. is perhaps this is an interesting one for me. Um, Jonathan is it Jonathan Bird? Jonathan Bird's race. Yes, Jonathan Bird's I racing. It's Jonathan the second. Yes. Uh, Jonathan birds racing came back a couple of years ago and that had been a long running association with the 500 came back a couple of years ago and would love to see them at some point become more involved on a longer term basis. The problem is for them, it doesn't make sense.
2: They don't have the funding to be able to do a full-time program. It's just not realistic. They're, Their marketing push every year is based solely around the Indy 500, Cisco. And for them, that's the one race every year because they're an Indianapolis-based company where all of this works. And it worked really well with the late Brian Claussen, who was also an Indiana native. And that all came together at Dale Coin Racing. And it was a beautiful thing for a couple years. Now, a possible association with James Davison. And...
4: You know, a lot of that also comes down to the fact that the Bird family is very involved right now over at the Indianapolis Speedrome yes. as uh, J- as uh, Jonathan Bird II is currently the track president over there. So yes. they have a lot going on with that. They recently did kind of a whole relaunch on that facility. There was a whole story I did that. You can find that on Um, But yeah, they're very involved with that. So they haven't really been able to go full on into IndyCar. That's kind of that's kind of been their main sort of push lately. But, no, I'm absolutely stoked to see them back at the 500 and perhaps they're on. Yeah, Possibly. not,
1: um, not a done deal, but I just found the rumored, and again, stress the word rumored If Robin Miller says it. <laughs> yeah, then it must be true.
0: Uh, <laughs> well,
2: <laughs> how many times have you known Robin Miller in 60-some-odd years to be wrong? Very few. I think maybe twice. Maybe in, Ro- in all that time <laughs> robin's but, pretty I, I, i'm gonna use the words of marshall pruitt direct quote here robin's pretty damn good <laughs> yeah
1: um i just found that association with james davison to be interesting it is interesting yeah uh, I, I would have preferred someone i mean you had quasson who was basically sort of the quintessential and I think they were associated with Connor Daly at
2: one point after Brian's passing, too, if I remember right.
1: Yeah, and see, that would make more sense. Somebody that's, you know, again, a younger American driver that, um, you know, is, is in desperate need, honestly, of some some help, um, some funding to, to make it work, but... We'll see where it goes. Rumor has it there's other funding potentially
2: at that fourth coin car already that they're working with.
1: And, of course, daily, as, as we had talked about at the start of the last segment, the rumored driver for that car, when you start looking at this field, guys, uh-huh. I mean, in all honesty, uh-huh. this starts to shape up as a 35, 36 car field. I count 35. And, you know, this This now makes, again, makes qualifying Weekend really fun because on on the one hand you, you, I understand the theory people love to say well you don't want to send anybody home well bull part of the Indy 500 tradition is that you know we have bump day and you once have once upon to work a time there were 50 cars going that's for that's right spots. you have to work to make it and I and I think I think indycar needs that I think they need to get back to that point because I think that was a big selling point for that race. And something that you certainly probably are ne- not going to see in in uh, the Cup Series for probably like the, the rest of the year, future, honestly. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it, NASCAR is headed in a different direction philosophically, which mm-hmm. is confusing to me. But um, but IndyCar, you know, to to be able to have a bump day for the Indy Five Hundred to me uh, would be great because otherwise, I mean, the last year or two for me personally. Other than just, you know, liking to see Indy cars go around Indianapolis, um, qualifying weekend really to me is, is irrelevant because I don't care who starts where I only care about the race. The bump day was really the big attraction um, because, you know, the drama of that to see who can get in and, and who goes home is uh, very intriguing. And, you know, just that last second waiting for the gun to go off and the last guy goes out mm-hmm. and steals the spot, you know. Uh, There was always kind of a chess match that went on as to even, you know, when you would go out to make that qualifying run at times on bump day uh, because you, you wanted to be the last one out. And, you know, it would get to the point where, you know, you would just keep one upping each other and try. So to me, that's that really is the drama of qualifying weekend at this point. And uh, I would love to see that back again. It looks like we got it because I think, as you say, we've already got 35, Cisco, and I wouldn't be surprised to see one or two more.
4: Yes, and uh, I'm hoping that we do see one or two more. I wanted to quickly go and just give a little bit of a nod to Johnny Rutherford because he had his 80th birthday just around the corner and uh, was at Texas Media Day and had the coolest-looking cake ever. It was a uh, it was a cake of his old uh, Penzoil 4 car. That's, oh, the of Chaparral, the loyal Chaparral. Awesome. Yeah, it. yeah.
2: You were going to make a comment, Jacob. About. Yes, I was, and I, you guys, I, I appreciate that you're being wishful and hoping for one or two more cars, but 35 is about the absolute limit of what we could see this year. AJ Foyt has said you're not going to see a third car from that team this year. Andretti Autosport is tapped out at six cars, and even then, it, that's crazy, in my opinion. But Michael did it last year, and he's going to do it again. You, Carlin, first-year startup team, they want to focus solely on their two full-time drivers. Same for Chip Ganassi, though they're obviously not a startup team. They're worried that if they add a third car, it will detract from what they plan to do for the month of May. Dale Coyne gonna field four, we believe four, like he did last year. Um, you know, you've got Dreyer and Reinbold, which has already expanded to two. Ed Carpenter Racing, which has already expanded to three, with the addition of Danica Patrick this year. The only potential expansion at this point that I could see is the possibility of a second car out of Harding Racing, and maybe, maybe you get to thirty-six, maybe. But at this point, I think you're going to see the 35 that we pretty well know of at this point. The only drivers that we're waiting to hear announced are Oriole Servia in the third Rahal Letterman Lanigan car and the confirmation of Jay Howard in the third Schmidt-Peterson Motorsports car. But outside of a second Harding car, and I really don't know who would drive it at this point, you're either going to have 35 or 36, which, let's be honest, after multiple years of barely scraping by to get to 33, I can deal with 36 this year. But the other, you know, the other teams that I mentioned, Foyt, Carlin, you know, those teams are not going to add a third car if it's going to detract from all the cars as a whole. You're not going to stretch yourself thinner than what you feel like you can realistically go out and contend with, especially somebody like AJ who's won it four times. They tried to do three cars the last couple of years, and I feel like, Tom, that hurt them as a whole, all three cars. I don't feel like any of the cars were competitive, and I feel like contracting this year to focus solely on those two cars, same with Carlin in the situation that they're in. You know, some of these teams just aren't equipped right now to expand for the Indy 500. It's well, just not realistic.
1: Well, you know, I mean, it's, it's uh – it's it's I, un, it's unfortunate, and well, of course, then there's still. When you consider Carlin, though, remember they're
2: a brand new team to IndyCar. Well, I, do- I, wouldn't I think doubt Carlin.
1: I doubt they have the extra personnel to go to a third car. Well, and that's that's part of it too. But you know, then again, you look at it and you say, okay, well, you know, you've got some of these teams. You wouldn't expect necessarily Ganassi to put a third car out there, but you know, it's uh, it it goes to show where the sports come to because you you really miss teams like Dick Simon who used to field four or even five cars. Uh, you know, of course, that's going back 20 years, but the idea and is... And then we ask ourselves how Michael Andretti field six the last two years. Well, and there again, I mean, that's... And, and yet those guys managed to be very competitive, so... <laughs> that, I, that's because Michael has like 300 people working in his shop. Right, right? yeah. Well, you know, I think that... Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see how this shapes out, because... I would like to see at least one more car, but even if we only get 35, that's uh, certainly better than where we've been the last couple of years. Uh, And definitely, I think a a huge step in the right direction for the Indy 500 and the IndyCar series in general. And with that, we're going to step aside and uh, want to at some point. I want to talk about NHRA a little bit too, because. John Force said a few things in an interview earlier this week that I want to touch on. Like 2,100 words
2: worth. (laughs) Well,
1: yes, but there are a couple of uh, specific little nuggets out of that that I want to hit on at some point before we're done that I would argue should tie back to IndyCar. And we'll get to that uh, in due course here. But we've still got much more to come. Of course, Jesse Little coming up. And uh, lots to come actually here on the Stock Car Show presented by HMS Motorsport. You're listening to the show exclusively on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. Their representatives are experts on only one thing making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the HMS staff is always ready to take the time to help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for a second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in to HMS Motorsport, visit them on their website at HMSMotorsport.com, or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you.
8: What an awesome game.
6: Hi, this is Austin Terrio, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show.
1: Welcome back to the Stock Car Show, presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders of motorsport safety. Visit them on the web at hmsmotorsport.com. Tom Baker, Jacob Seelman, Bill Holt, and we've got Cisco Scaramuza and Chris Murdoch as well via the race chaser skype line. joining us now in the studio is truck series racer jesse little first time jesse's been in the studio with us and very happy to have him join us this evening and coming off a career best performance i gotta tell you bud that was impressive to watch and a whole bunch of fun jesse little welcome to the show and talk a little bit about that run last week in atlanta that was really cool
8: yeah it was fun it was um you know it was, it was it's hard to go to those races with expectations when uh, you're a team like us um but uh for for us to to go there and have the su- success we did all weekend uh you know it was a, it, it was really neat it was good for the guys it was good for myself um real big booster in confidence for the rest of the year and it's something that we can uh really kind of motivate everyone around us to uh to, to try to replicate um throughout the year we're we're working on some more races, and, and that certainly helps.
2: Jesse, you and I talked on pit road right after that race, uh, last weekend and it was one of those moments where I watched you climb out of the truck and and it took a minute. It's almost, it it was almost like I felt like I was watching the emotions go through your head and I remember the first thing you said to me was, we really just did that, didn't we? I mean, this was a performance the likes of which I know you were hoping for, especially after acquiring some of the BKR trucks during the off season, but first race out i mean that had to be like you said better than you guys expected
8: yeah it's tough um you know it's it's a lot of emotions there and for someone like me you know to be honest i didn't really know how to feel i didn't know um you know i was disappointed finishing 8th which looking back is a good problem to have and and even when that last last caution came out i was i was pretty bummed to see that when we were running fourth you know almost a guaranteed top 5 so it it was tough initially right afterwards um, as it is always, you always want to win. Um, but, uh, <clears throat> even on the ride home that night, you know, it was kind of, it was, it was cool to sit back and say, all right, you know, going to the track, how we did with the equipment and the people that we have with the budget that we, you know, work on. It was a pretty big deal. Um, and a lot of people took notice and, and that's what helps. Um, and you know, that, that was a neat part is kind of seeing the, the, the replications of all of our hard work over the winter kind of come into fruition and then it paid off you know that was my first race in 15 races where i've never had a scratch on the truck yeah and so getting to finish like that with you know my career best finish um even though we were running better on the track it's still something that uh you know was bittersweet but uh it was great to do um it feels awesome to run in the top 10 and at a truck event especially at a track like atlanta where you really know uh it all all the cards have to go into play and a lot of people look back and look at the truck from Atlanta.
2: Not a ton of logos on the truck either. I mean, you guys did this. It was a very, I'll, I'll use the word lean effort that you guys had at Atlanta. Not that, obviously, it wasn't competitive because you guys had a ton of speed. But, you know, a, a largely uh, largely blank truck compared to some of the other guys you were racing against.
8: Yeah, and that and that kind of plays into, you know, making it even making it even more uh, of a valued race, you know, to go there and compete with those likes. We were really fortunate enough to have Wings Over North Georgia hop on kind of last minute, and uh, they didn't really know what to expect. And to see them after the race and have the emotions that they did, you know, that really helped me and and kind of uh, made it even more sweeter. But uh, it's fun. It's always really rewarding to go out there and run as good, if not better, than some of the teams Mm -hmm. that, you know, have a lot more resources behind them and, and, uh it's fun to kind of go out there and show them. Absolutely.
3: And, you know, Jesse, you talk about your, your career best finish at Atlanta and all this, you know, great success that you had at that track. How How's the the shop been? How's the environment been, you know, the days after? And how are you really riding this kind of momentum throughout the rest of the races you'll be running this season?
8: Yeah, you know, the uh, the attitude in the shop with the guys has been great. Um, we kind of looked at Atlanta knowing, okay, I had never been there. Um, our crew chief had never been there with the truck. We tested Charlotte early, earlier in January, and we had a good notebook, but it was still unknown. There was a lot of variables going in you know atlanta 's kind of a track in its own as far as how it wears with tires yeah it 's really you know driver preferable as far as you know who saves the most and and it 's hard to save in a truck race because you are you 're in the throttle almost the entire <laughs> run so um, it was really, really neat to kind of capitalize on all the. All the work we put in and over the off season, and then you know, it, not only that, it just gave us more uh, motivation and confidence going to tracks that we ran good at last year. Now we have better equipment. Now we have a better notebook. So it, uh, you know, the guys are excited, and I'm pumped. And you know, I wish Dover was tomorrow. How, <laughs> how literally,
1: how do you do this with the staff that you have? I mean, what is logistically what does this look like? Because I can't even imagine. Two. Two
8: people. I can't yeah. imagine. Yep, yep. So, you know, last year it's a good example to go back and kind of uh compare. Last year we didn't have any employees and we ran four races. And even you know, going into November I'd only run three. Uh Phoenix was our last one. And so logistically over the winter we said, you know, let's do this right. I think we really have the ability to go out and be competitive and uh JJL Motorsports went to uh, two trucks with uh the purchasing of two BKR trucks from last year. Um so that's more than I've ever had. Um, you know, and, and we got two guys now and, and our crew chief Matt Noyce and I have been working, you know, we're this is our fifth year together going on now. And so the the amount of chemistry and, and vocabulary we have together, uh, you know, I think is one of the best in the garage. Um we we know how each other We know how each other performs under pressure. We know how each other works, and that's only going to get better throughout the year. You worked with Matt all the way back in K&N, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, our first year together was uh, 2015. And so being able to, you know, I went to my first truck race with him. I went, you know, I got a K&N win at Iowa with him. Um, So we've kind of, you know, we've been there with each other through it all, and he understands our program, and he's a young, driven crew chief that is super detail-oriented and very Mm -hmm. organized, and so we really get along well. And, uh, you know, we we want to do these truck races right, plain and simple. We want to go to the track and be competitive and know that, you know, we have a shot to run in the top ten. And, you know, if the cards fall right, we have a shot to, to go for the race. After when, the run that you
2: had, is it a bummer that you can't be out in Vegas this week and parlay in that momentum that you had in Atlanta into another race that you have to wait till May now to do it again?
8: Yeah, certainly for me. Um, being a part-time driver, kind of something that puts us behind the eight ball is, you know, the next three, four races, these guys are going to be build, building vocabulary with their crew chiefs and building chemistry within their team and organization. So when we go to Dover at the beginning of May, you know, we'll kind of – we won't be on the same level playing field as they all were at Atlanta. Um, they'll kind of understand what, what, what their trucks do better in in the air. They'll understand kind of the more more so with their new engines and stuff. And so we just got to prepare for it and we got to uh, be able to go out there and execute. Uh, which I think we'll, we'll more than certainly be capable of doing.
1: Now, does it give you a sense of pride knowing that you went down there basically with a shell of a team and ran very competitively with three and four truck teams?
8: Yeah, absolutely. It, um, you know, it kind of validates everything that I've felt personally about my, my abilities and skills as well as the teams. Um, I, I know we're capable of doing it, um, I know we've always been right there on that edge, and to go to Atlanta and really perform well and pass trucks, and you know not have the best qualifying effort, but pick up spots all night on pit road and, and and pass trucks under green, good trucks, you know with with a lot of uh, a lot of resources behind them. It you know it really just uh, it almost capitalizes on you know we can we may have a shot to go out and win a race this year, and, and we got to make sure that we do everything and then some because you know we're on a little smaller. Uh, scale as far as how we do things.
2: Do uh, you guys have a schedule mapped out yet outside of what we know? You ran Atlanta and Dover coming up. Do you guys have a schedule mapped out well, for the rest um, of the races?
8: You know, we'll for sure, do Dover and Charlotte, and then after that, it's hard to kind of assess. Just as far as we're still building our mm-hmm. second truck. Okay. Um, so our first, our first truck will for sure. Be able to go to Dover and Charlotte. Um, after that, we'll we'll reassess and hopefully I haven't torn up any more trucks and we'll be able to to, uh, <laughs> to do some uh, summer races. We're really looking at Iowa. I was um, just gonna say, yeah, potentially Gateway and then and then the end of the year Bristol. Um, mm-hmm. I'd love to go back to Phoenix and, and of course Homestead as well.
1: Tell us a little bit about Wings of North Georgia because obviously they jumped on board with you and got a great run. Um, talk a little bit about for those who don't know what that is. Tell us a little bit about that, and also, is there an opportunity maybe to to work with them again at some point, even though I know you don 't go back to Atlanta again
8: yeah it was uh, it was really good to have them on board they uh, We were introduced to them through a mutual friend and uh, it worked out perfect for them. Wings over North Georgia is an air show that uh, puts on a couple a uh, couple two shows a year, one in rome georgia that 's coming up, and then one again at myrtle beach and uh, they were more than thrilled with. With our run there uh, at Atlanta Saturday night, and so I think there's some potential. Uh, I, I certainly hope so in the future. I love the I love working with them, and it's a great, great event. You know, it's two uh, kind of unique, unique uh, programs, entertainment programs, but it both, both
1: involves you know really fast mm-hmm. equipment, so that's always fun to work with. Now you 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 it, that's the air show itself, yes. Wings of North. Yep. Okay, you know they have. Aeronautic stunt teams at those air shows. Yes, I know. My my very first flying experience was with the Coca-Cola Holiday and Aeronautic Stunt Team back in 1994. First time I'd ever been up in the air. Okay, upside hang, hang. down. Hold on, upside down, 200 miles an hour, doing twists, turns, yeah. barrel rolls. Yeah. Did Did you, Gregson, at the end of it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. Yes. Noah would
3: be so proud. Yes.
1: I, I I, had to take the rest of the day off work. Yeah, it was not a pretty sight. And I made up my mind to two things at that point. Number one, I'm never flying with a stunt team again. And number two, I discovered Dramamine for motion Sickness. <laughs> and I swear by it now when I fly. But uh, that's awesome. It sounds like that was really one of those sort of meant to be situations. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, hopefully you'll get a chance to do some, some more work with them going down the road. With that, we're going to step aside when we come back more with Jesse Little and more of the Stock Car Show presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network.
5: How to be a great dad in 15 seconds. Bike ride, go fish, walk in the park, phone call, milkshake, play catch, picnic, fly a kite, tell jokes, laugh, talk, read a story, tell a story, bumper car, swing set, bowling, pillow fight, cut loose, stay tight. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life.
8: Hi, I'm Brandon McReynolds, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show.
1: Somehow, Brandon McReynolds and Metallica just seem to go together. Don't they? I, I really Something don't like that. I don't know how, but
2: um, Jesse Little's familiar with Brandon. They raced together in the K and N series a few years ago.
1: They probably raced together in the old field filler days. Oh uh, god. Did you, did you ever did you uh, run get run in, in on that, filler? Jesse?
8: I never uh, got to make it out to uh, to field fillers, but I certainly got to see the videos and I <laughs> uh, wish I had, you know, when it was in its heyday. So
1: that was uh, those were interesting days back in the day. Yes, they uh, were. And yes, we'll just leave were. it at that before we start digging up old bones. If we dig up old bones from the
2: field filler fairgrounds, we'll be here for another hour. Lewis
1: Hamilton says his 2018 Mercedes is what? Definitely faster than the 17 car. Oh, great. Watch out. Oh, Lord. <laughs> going to be a long year. You want to know how much faster one. he was
8: during testing today, How much Jacob?
1: faster was he, Cisco? Let's see. A half sec- a second. Oh, darn.
4: A I was going to. field. That, wow. Yeah,
2: that's, that's not even <laughs> close. Unbelievable. I was going to say a second and a half just for disparity's sake. Well, well
4: for the record, the other Mercedes, uh, Botas was 12th on the board. Oh, yeah. How did they
2: get both of them out
4: there today? I don't know. I'm
2: huh. just looking at the thing. Interesting.
4: Well,
1: 10 so. uh So that's that. There's your Formula One update. Lewis Hamilton still at the top of the chart.
2: In other news, no matter
1: what they do, the cars, Lewis Hamilton is still at the top of the chart. Yes.
2: In other news, for those who are keeping score at home on the truck series, as I know Jesse probably is, final practice did not go to Justin Marks. See, Jesse's looking over my shoulder now because he's curious. Johnny Sauter, Brett Moffat, 1-2 on the board. Hey, there's some commonality there. Brett Moffat, second and second in the two practices. Okay, so your feel-good story was the eighth place finish with a skeleton crew from from your perspective though you've been in the truck series now long enough and and been able to see some of this play out from your perspective how big was the win at Atlanta for for Shiggy and for a team that has given blood sweat and tears to this series now and to see a a guy like Brett take them to victory lane I mean what was that like from from the perspective of of somebody who's raced against Brett for a long time now
8: yeah for for me, you know, honestly, if I couldn't have won, I, was, I didn't want anyone else other than Brett to win. Um, I have tremendous respect for him and, and all those guys over there. I got, to, uh, I got to do a tire test for him last year at Martinsville and got to know the uh, group of guys that work on the 16 pretty well, and, and I've known them throughout the years as well, and uh, they're a great great, great team and, and work really well together and uh, very deserving. And uh, I know certainly that uh, Shiggy was enjoying it as well. Oh, my gosh. The post-race
2: media conference with Shiggy was – he could barely say anything, but you could tell just by looking at him, Tom, the excitement was just palpable.
1: Well, if you just won a race, I would think – you. yeah, and look, I mean, we went around the table earlier and were talking about whether or not we thought that um, – That team is a legitimate championship contender, and I I believe they are, Jesse. Absolutely. Yeah, it's impressive, you know, just
8: in their really their second year full time. It's uh, you know, it's it's good to see another team that entered entered the series and has just as much uh, competitive ability as you know the the teams that are established and have been doing it forever. So it's good for the series. It's good for uh,
1: you know the sport, and obviously everyone uh, working there. Okay, now I want to talk about the Elmore for a second. Mm -hmm. Thumbs up or thumbs down and why? Uh
8: you know, for for my team in JJL Motorsports, it's it's two thumbs up. It's uh it's helped us tremendously. Um we're able to almost add more races because of the overall savings cost. Uh the motor itself has been, you know, pretty dependable in the two times we've had it out on the track, one being the test and then one being Atlanta. Um you know, I think I think Vegas will be another good showing being a mile and a half. We'll kinda of be able to see where its pros and cons are um, where its strength and weaknesses may lie. Uh, you know, even at Atlanta, I think we kind of took notice that first and second were the two built engines in the track and they, you know, they made, they made all their move, they made all their ground up on the restart. So, uh, restarts, it's something that, you know, we may have to, to take into uh, consideration, but so far it's, it's been tremendous for us. Uh, we love it and, and, uh, you know, hopefully, it'll uh, attract a lot more trucks to the to the track.
2: I think that's the biggest thing we're all hoping is that the cost savings, it'll lower that threshold and allow more teams like yours to be able to break into the truck series. I think we've seen that the first yeah. couple races. I yeah, mean, and
8: uh, and honestly not not even so much break in but be competitive. Yes, you you absolutely. Know, be be competitive and and make it to where there's, you know, 12, 13, 14 potential trucks that could win. So, it's uh it's exciting. It, you know, I think as a fan it should be really it should be really cool to know that a team like myself, you know, essentially mm-hmm. has the same engine as a Johnny Sauter or you know Absolutely. a Kyle Busch Motorsports. So that's uh, it's always fun, and, and it, it'll only uh, I think create more exciting, close side by side racing.
2: When you look under the hood and you realize that you have the exact same stuff there as the teams that have won the last several
1: championships in the
2: Camping yeah. World Truck yeah. Series, you know you're doing something right. Tom. Well, I agree,
1: and you know, I want to I also talk about Ben Kennedy, because mm-hmm. I know that you probably know Ben. Yeah. How much conversation have you had with Ben about, obviously, his new position? I mean, I think probably a lot of people were blown away when that appointment was made. Um, you know, those who may not really have realized the family lineage there, mm-hmm. but And because he was so young and we had thought, well, he's coming up through the ranks as a driver. And now all of a sudden he's basically heading up the truck series. Have you had a chance to talk with Ben at all? And what, what are your early impressions of how Ben is handling himself and what he intends to do with the series going forward?
8: Yeah, I uh I sent him a congratulations text when I first heard and and uh you know, I'm thrilled I'm thrilled to see it. I think he's uh I think he's really going to add a lot of value to to the series and the sport itself. Mm-hmm. Um I've known him Ben for a long time, you know, going back to K N Racing 2012-2013. So, I actually told him in Atlanta I'd love to get lunch with him sometime soon and kind of talk about some some uh some stuff, but you know, it's 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 t- it had to be tough for him cuz you know, he had to basically decide does he you know did he want to keep pursue driving or or uh take a different route and i think uh i think he made a good decision and and uh i think he'll he'll add a lot of value and and be really really well for the position what do you feel like he brings to the truck series um you know i think uh i think it's the young kind of the millennial kind of generation as far as you know what what entertains us what do we mm-hmm. like um You know, what makes what what gets us to the track, what can keep us watching for two, two and a half hours. And so I think Ben adds a lot of value to that. And uh, hopefully, you know, we'll just continue to bring, uh, you know, younger, younger kids to the tracks.
1: This gives me the perfect opportunity to introduce the main line from the John Force interview that we had on Race Chaser Online, uh, where he was interviewed after his last crash. Um, and he continued to refer to the NHRA and themselves as Barnum PT Barnum at three hundred plus. Basically, the idea that the they're performers, yeah. they're entertainers. Yeah. Yep. That's what they do. Okay, now when I look at what I think has been missing a little bit in NASCAR lately and what I think IndyCar ought to be looking at as well. It's that exact same thing. I think for a while people have forgotten that in terms of drivers, they're not there to, to, you know, just to race and run for wins, but they're also entertainers. It's about the fans. Now you just brought up the, the, the fact that you feel like the millennial connection. Okay. I really feel like this new crop of drivers that's coming into NASCAR, of which I would consider you one, you just haven't had the the right situation to be full-time yet. Um, But you got your drivers like Blaney and Wallace and, you know, the Dillons and all those guys. They're extremely entertaining. They're a lot of fun to listen to. They're they're very interactive with the fans. Um, Do you feel like in general – that somebody like Ben Kennedy is really what NASCAR needs to infuse to try and help them to bridge the gap because obviously it 's that generation that they 're trying to attract into the sport
8: yeah absolutely and and, and that 's a great point is you know it's it 's at a nascar I think is at a point where um, you know it 's almost unknown as far as what can we do to get you know more people in the stands, more younger mm-hmm. crowds entertained, and uh you know for someone who who is a millennial and who grew up in racing all of my life. You know, I think uh Ben is a good fit for that. He understands it and like you said with the younger drivers, you know, we've we're, we're ourselves really. We've we've been racing so long and you know, I've done this a lot that we grew up in front of a, a camera or in front of a mic mm-hmm. and and those guys are perfect ambassadors for, you know, getting younger kids to the track. Their their personalities are great. They they're good drivers. They're aggressive, but they're they're patient with each other and and they race they race everyone hard and I think uh you know, I think with that and with their off-track kind of talents that, you know, hopefully it'll just drive more people to, to tune in. Let me add to this,
2: too, not just from the entertainment factor for the fans, but from the driver and team standpoint. The other thing that I've heard talked about in the garage area, even at Atlanta, that everybody feels like Ben brings to this for the series and for you guys as drivers is the fact that he comes into that role having been a driver yeah. And you talk about things like the new spec motors, the uh, you know what we've seen implemented in some of the higher series, with what they're working on with the composite bodies, all these cost savings and other things. You know, Ben's a guy who's had to be there and fight for sponsorship, kind of a similar situation as you. So he knows a, kind of what that fight is like, and I feel like a lot of the things that he brings to the table on that front can only help the teams as well.
8: Yeah, absolutely, and that's a good point. Is you know he, he's an owner of his K and N team. He drove you know in all. A uh, mix of short track and and K N and you know national series even mm-hmm. so so he understands both sides of it really well and I think will be really good at facilitating what the teams need in order to put on the best show for the fans at home
1: mm-hmm. you know and the younger generation and really in my mind I hope that he'll be the right person for what teams like. Yours needs in order to step up to the level of the thor sports and the k b m s because really ultimately that's what we need is we need some way I think to create more parity across the board among the resources that everybody has to work with, so whether you you know you somehow have a spending cap or you look at some other you know, rules related things. But somehow we've got, I think, get back to a point where it's a little easier for somebody like yourself to be able to kind of get from the part time level to the full time level. Yeah. Yeah. And
8: uh, and, and it'll be tough. You know, I don't think it'll happen overnight, Um, but hopefully it does get to a situation where, you know, uh, uh, a group of guys that love racing that, you know, are able to, get a hold of a good truck. They're, they're 100% at every advantage of, you know, going and being competitive, you know, whether that's top 15, top 10, you know, it, it, it it'd be great to see a truck field where, you know, if you finish top 10, top 12, you know, it's a good day. And I think, uh, I think we're starting to slowly see that with the incorporation of the Ilmore engines and, and the team rosters and, and stuff like that. So, uh, You know, slowly but surely, I think it's going in the right direction for sure. I just
1: love the fact that Ben is in the infield at these tracks in the garage, interacting with the drivers too. I think that's uh, that's the only way to run a series, in my opinion. And with that, we will step aside. We will come back. Much more still to come. Here, Jesse Little, our guest in studio. You're listening to the Stock Car Show, presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety, on the Voice of Motorsports, the Performance
5: Motorsports Network.
1: making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the HMS staff is always ready to take the time to help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in to HMS Motorsport, visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com, or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you. Hi, this is John Androsic of Five for Fighting, here for
4: Rad.
2: Hi, I'm Cole Custer, and you're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports.
1: Cole Custer's doing something this weekend. He's running in the Cup Series for the first time ever. Uh-huh. Of course, he was on uh, Motorsports Madness with us this uh, past Monday to talk about that. And, you know, there's a situation where you have a driver who I think is as ready as he could be, especially for a track like Vegas. I mean... It's the perfect track, in my mind, for him to make his debut on because it's kind of a rookie-friendly track, unlike Atlanta, which is uh, a a terrible track to be a rookie, uh, especially when you've only had Daytona as your first race. We talked about that, too, uh,
2: while we were there over the weekend, Tom, about how, and William Byron actually spoke to it after the cup race Sunday night, that Atlanta is not a rookie-friendly track because you just – there's no amount of I racing or any simulation, there's nothing that can prepare you for how the track eats tires and just how rough it actually is. I'm sure you can speak to that, Jesse. It's just a very quirky track.
8: Yeah, it's um you know, it's demanding. It's it's uh it's you gotta be aggressive, you gotta be patient, you gotta know when to push, you gotta know when to not. And even for the cup cars, I can't imagine, you know, they have a lot more horsepower than we do, they have a lot longer race and so it's it's a whole different animal, and, and uh, it was clear that you know it's you got to be on your game. Even you know a good good veteran struggled. So I think uh, I think it'll only come with time. Williams good. All the young rookies learn really fast. So oh yeah, I'm sure I'm sure uh, it won't take them too long.
1: Just saying, this is a different situation for Cole coming into Vegas, and he tested there uh, in the preseason in uh, Matt Burrito's car. Yes, so, he did. Yeah, he got a few and laps for GoFast. That Pass. was where we got the first hint, by the way, that
2: he was going to be making a cup start for Rick Ware Racing because yeah. he was spotted with a Rick Ware logo on his uniform at that point. I, I dug that photo up on Twitter today just to prove it.
1: Yeah, I wonder uh, I wonder what was going on there. But, uh, yeah, that and of course, this effort is in cooperation with Stuart Haas Racing. But, of course, it is. So, translation, it's... Probably mostly Stuart Haas stuff, um, which is great because it's going to be a good situation for Cole to come into. He'll hit the track tomorrow, and honestly, uh, I think Cole will get as much out of the car as it has, and I think he'll be just fine. He's got a good head on his shoulders, and really I think at this point has proven that uh, he's more than ready to to step up, And even if obviously not a full season. But, you know, the occasional race or two here this year to transition for what I believe – Will be a full time effort in 2019 in one of the Stewart Haas cars.
2: Well, Cole said there's nothing mapped out beyond this race at Las Vegas when we talked to him on Monday. Yeah, so I know. We'll just wait and see. Just, uh, I, I, I would just t- a hunch. Not anticipate them doing too many races. Number one, um, because of the way the the rookie rules are written, and number two, because I don't think they want to detract too much from Cole's pursuit of the Xfinity championship this year you don't Fair ever want to add too much to the plate and detract from what the main focus is and Cole spoke to that too yeah he wants Cisco this Xfinity championship in a big way I believe he feels like if circumstances had gone just one or two positions different at Phoenix we know what he did at Homestead and you know you you find those one or two missing points and Cole Custer probably wins the championship last year uh-
4: Oh, I absolutely agree, and I think this cup start for Cole is going to be really just una- – It's it feels a bit kind of like the Bubba Wallace experiment from last year in a sure.
2: way for me. Sure, it does. And those four races proved that Bubba was certainly beyond prepared. And, you know, we've seen what he's done in the first couple races this year, second in the Daytona 500. And he, he had speed at Atlanta before uh, he met an unfortunate end in the middle of a smoke screen with about 30 laps Oof. to go. That
1: was indeed a smoke screen. My goodness. I think, however, the mosquito population was growing to be before. Last Sunday, I think it's about dead. Uh, I was gonna say, Trevor (laughs) Baines' motor. Trevor Bain's motor killed it. Yeah, my goodness, I haven't seen one go up in smoke like that in a long time. When Trevor does something, he goes big or goes home. That's yes. uh, one thing we can say. He either wins the Daytona 500 or completely obliterates a motor.
2: I just had an interesting thought for a question, and I'm sure, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm sure Jesse's going to look at me like, where did that come from? Wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> no, that's true. It actually wouldn't be. So, okay, driver, it, if you have the situation where you can put somebody else in a JJL Motorsports truck
8: besides you, mm-hmm. who do you put in your truck and why? Um, as far as anyone tables open or, or tables open, tables open, um, I you'd have to, I think I'd have to go with Kyle Bush, you know, why not? I'd like to see what he would do and, <laughs> and my equipment, it'd be great for me to kind of see, okay, here's the best in our sport. In my There's opinion. the and, ultimate gauge yeah, of and this potential, is, you know, this is where I need to be if I want to be racing with him on sunday so that'd be my first pick
2: okay i'll re- I'll rephrase the question and, and kind of go where i was trying to head yeah. so now to you're up. changing yeah. the
1: parameters you said the no open I, table.
2: I i know i gave him the open table to start off so now in, in all serious if you're going to pick somebody besides you to race alongside and chase a championship with so basically if you can put yourself with a teammate for the season
8: um and it, uh, like in, any truck driver, regular series driver who like truck series, truck series. If, if you can have your pick of the truck series field, yeah. Uh, for me, just to learn off of, uh, I'd like, I'd love it to be Matt Crafton. You know, I think uh, he's someone that I've, I've learned from a lot the last couple of years, and, and continue to. Um, you know, the way he drives, the the way he runs his races, and and uh, kind of directs his his. Uh, team in a, in a direction to get the most out of them, I think that's someone that I'd, I'd love to be side by side with. Is that something you feel like,
2: uh, you know, just f- purely from the situation you guys are in right now that maybe maybe could be the one, one little thing that's missing is just not necessarily having a veteran driving presence to lean um, on?
8: You know, not maybe not even so much veteran driver, but just veteran experience, just mm-hmm. experience in general. You know, this is Atlanta was my 15th race and it was, you know, my, my crew chief's eighth race being, you know, six, six or seventh race being a crew chief. So, you know, just the overall experience of, of being in situations where strategy may come into play or being in situations where fuel mileage or, you know, making a two tire versus a four tire call, just stuff like that, that, you know, it's hard to prepare Mm -hmm. so much for unless you've actually been in those circumstances. So, uh, someone with a lot of knowledge, someone with, with a lot of time and, and experience in the field, I think is, uh, is never a bad thing.
2: You've been around long enough. It doesn't
8: feel like you've only made 15 truck starts. I know, I know. it's, uh, you know, it's funny. I'm still only 20 years old, but a lot of times I'm refer- referred to as, you know, a veteran in <laughs> or, or, uh, you know, I'm no longer a rookie in trucks. So yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's fun, but I still try to get the most out of it every single weekend. And I'm, I'm still always learning, mm-hmm. you know, even Atlanta, I'm building a notebook for myself and and, uh, you know, other things. I struggle. I feel like I still struggle a good bit with pit stops, and I can make up a lot of time there. Um, So that's just stuff that will come with time and experience.
2: Are you planning on doing anything outside of the truck this year? Do you guys still have any of the K&N cars in your shop?
8: Um, We're looking to uh, build an ARCA car and, uh, you know, maybe go do some of the mile-and-a-half races. Charlotte would be fun. I don't know if we'll uh, have have enough time to get that one done, but there's some mile-and-a-half tracks that – um, I haven't gone to in a truck that I, you know, I think would be really fun to go to and even bigger than a mile and a half, Michigan, Pocono. Um, those races would, I think, suit my style of driving and as well as give me laps on, you know, tracks I haven't been to yet. How do you, you talk about your style of driving. How do you categorize yourself as a racer? Um, you know, i like, I think the best adjectives I can use is, you know, cautiously aggressive. I, uh, I've always had a race knowing that, you know, if I wanted to go to the track a week from now or, you know, a month from now, I had to take care of my equipment. Uh, so I don't like to put myself in situations that I know, you know, might not be the best, but at the same time I know that, you know, every position matters. And, and I, I try to set myself up the best I can to be in a position to win at the end, whether that be, you know, fourth or, or fifth or, some you know, somewhere with 10 to go, 20 to go that I can be uh, situated at having a shot.
3: And and I just want to you know touch on something you said a little bit earlier with you kind of struggling with pit stops being your first race of the 2018 season with that new pit stop rule is there anything your team kind of learned anything you learned on on how to make that faster when you you go to Sh- Dover or Charlotte? Um,
8: yeah, I think the pit crew guys have quite a bit of uh, quite a bit of knowledge as far as what the t- what they can do better. Um, as for a driver, you know it's it's honestly frustrating because there's not a whole lot I can do to speed up a pit stop, but there is a whole long list of stuff I can do to, to make it bad. Um, and really, you know, not, not do well at all, lose a lot of spots. And so that's the tough part is, you know, if I execute perfectly and and not have any mistakes, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a regular pit stop. (laughs) If I, uh, you know, if I overshoot the box or if I, uh, come in too slow and the guys have to readjust, you know, split seconds matters. And, and, uh, they did a fantastic job Saturday night for me. We picked up multiple spots. Um, you know, I I made a mistake the first pit stop and they, they gained me all the positions back on a second. So, um, you know, it's tough for me. It's, it's just getting reps, you mm-hmm. know, it's getting um, the repetitions of, you know, running my lights all the way and maximizing the speed all along down pit road, but not getting a penalty, but, you know, knowing how aggressive I can get into the box, um, knowing, you know, okay, there's going to be a truck ahead of me. I'm going to have to stop short if I, you know, if I want to get out regularly. So uh, kind of just all those things that, you just, you, you learn with experience and you learn with reps. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm uh, struggling with, but you know,
1: hopefully uh, I'll get some practice and, and be prepared with that. We will step aside. We've got one more segment left in tonight's show. We're going to finish things up with Jesse little, who will join us for our lightning round. When we come back, you're listening to the stock car show presented by HMS motorsport, the leaders of motorsport safety on PMN, the performance motorsports network.
7: For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council,
4: the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council.
2: I'm Dalton Sargent. And you're listening to Race Talk on Performance Motorsports
1: Network. Speaking of truck drivers. Yeah, really. <laughs> the Sarge. Dalton Sargent racing for GMS Racing this year, making his full time. Truck Series debut and uh, has looked pretty good uh, to this point in the season. Anyway, through the first couple of races, we'll see where things fall at Vegas. Anyways, welcome back to the Stock Car Show. Tom Baker, Jacob Seelman, Cisco Scaramuzza, Chris Murdoch. Of course, we've got Bill Holt behind the glass from the Carolina School of Broadcasting, punching all the right buttons and our in-studio guest for most of this. Actually, all of this last hour has been uh, Jesse Little, Truck Series racer. And it's uh, been fun to talk to you, Jesse, about uh, your season and your series. Um, looking as far ahead as you can, we've talked about the races you've got scheduled. Where would you like to be in 2019? I mean, are you hoping? Are you? Do you feel like you're at a point where you could even see yourself being a full-time truck team in 2019?
8: Yeah, um, you know, for me I honestly like to take it one race at a time. I think uh, you know, if I if I do my job and prepare and go out and execute each and every race like it's my last, then I think uh, you know, that'll be that'll set us up the absolute best for over the winter. But I certainly hope to see uh J J L Motorsports, you know, as a full time competitor um in the truck series one day, whether that be next year or two years, it'd be it'd be awesome. Uh the infrastructure's there, the the uh team and employee you know, the team is, is already experience enough to, to make it happen. Um, so whether that be myself and other drivers, it'd be fantastic. But uh, I certainly love racing. You know, it's something that uh, I've always had a niche for since I can remember. And it's, uh, you know, something that I see myself doing hopefully far into the future. So um, I'd love to do it. I don't know. I don't like uh, planning too far ahead. I kind of, you know, just uh, take it one step at a time. But, um, you know, we'll see. For you, you've done – a handful of races, and we talked about,
2: you know, Dover, Charlotte, possibly Iowa. There's one race that I know you've not been a part of yet that I look at and ask myself, this could be fun. Have you thought about the possibility of Eldora in July? I'm sure you've watched just about all of them. I mean, have you thought to yourself what that would be like yet?
8: Yeah, you know, I've uh, I've, I've sat, that's been one of the the races where I've sat down every single year to tune in and, you know, start to finish practice qualifying heat races, you know, be man- it, it didn't matter. You know, I'm interested in it all. And it looks like an absolute blast. Um, you know, hopefully maybe one day we'd be, uh, able to, to, uh, to be in a spot to go out there and do it. I know I'd, I'd love to, uh, I have little to no experience on dirt. <laughs> I tested a super dirt late model one time and, and that's it. So, uh, it'd be what something to think of that. Uh it was it was unbelievable. It was uh it was uh something that I won't forget but at the same time um you know I, w- I don't want to say it was not for me but I'd need a lot more laps to uh <laughs> to go out there and be able to It's a uh, completely different win. brain, isn't it? Oh, it's a different animal. It's uh it's something that you can't go into it really having the asphalt information and knowledge that you do and be a, and, and expect to use uh that to to go fast. Now there's some racing things that That you can use, but dirt's a whole different animal. Very
1: counterintuitive to hit the gas in the middle of the corner. Yeah, yeah, and hit the brake, you know, coming out of the corner. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, yeah. It's a complete opposite, you know, of what you would would think on asphalt. So very uh, interesting that you got that opportunity, but you almost have to have a... An Eldora built truck, I would imagine. Yeah, you can't really just go out there with. Um,
8: you know, an Eldora built truck or just a, a, a short track truck that you feel uh, right. would be, you know, competitive as far as you know travels or weights or something like that. Um, you know, you got to go there with a body that you know will probably have to come off afterwards, so you don't want to put too much time into the wind tunnel there, but. Um, you know, it's something that I think given the right situation and circumstance, I'd love to do. It looks fun. I think, uh, I think I'd be somewhat well at it. So,
1: okay. Lightning round time. And I'm going to start with just going around the table and let's, uh, forecast a winner for Friday night's truck race at Vegas. Shall we? I'm going to start with Cisco and give you the first shot. Cisco, who wins the truck race this weekend at Vegas? Kyle Bush, 51.
3: <laughs> that, that, uh, That's
1: the cop out pick. That took you a long time. Chris Murdoch
3: is teammate Noah Gregson.
1: Okay, either one a hometown victory. Mm-hmm. Jacob?
2: Okay, my response to both of you eh, wrong answer. King of the mile and a halfs and the fast man for the day in practice. Give me GMS Johnny Sauter.
8: Okay. Jesse Will. Jesse's yeah, not. That was, that was going to be uh, one of my picks, but I'm going to go with Ben Rhodes in the 41.
2: I was hemming and hawing about that. Yeah. I, I thought I about it, it. I think they get
8: it done this ben weekend. Ben got him
1: one at Vegas last year, I believe. Uh-huh. And uh, I, I think they're all great picks. Uh, honestly, in my mind, I keep looking at Brett Moffitt and seeing <laughs> second and second. You Race know, pace. I believe what I see,
2: and I, he was one of the fastest in ten lap average today too, which is you know, big at Vegas. Yeah, Long I'll, pace. I'll
1: just go with. I mean, sure, Kyle's the easy pick, but I'll go with Brett Moffat because I think. Uh, and can you imagine coming out of the box and winning two out of the first three races if you're Brett Moffat and Hattori Racing? That would lock them into the playoffs too. Uh, I mean, well. the yeah, I mean well, I, I now, guess
6: you keep, di-
2: keep in mind with 16 races in the regular season there could be more than eight oh, I understand. winners so but two,
1: two wins guarantees sure, you the playoffs. Sure. Yeah, spot. two wins is is a lead pipe cinch and uh I think he's more than capable of that. We'll mm-hmm. see what happens tomorrow <laughs> night. Okay, we'll do the same thing on Saturday with the Xfinity race and this time I will start with Jacob. Okay.
2: This is where I go back to my notes, and I, I ask myself, look. <laughs> I, I ask myself, who won the race two years ago from the pole? Kyle Busch. Who's going to win probably from the pole on Saturday? Kyle Busch. Why? Because it's his first Xfinity race of the season, and he's won his first Xfinity race of the year in, I think, three of the last four? Cisco.
1: Kyle Busch.
3: <laughs> Chris <laughs> Murdoch. Elliot Sadler.
1: <laughs> well, okay, that wasn't where I thought he was going at all, Jesse.
8: Uh, I'm going to go with my good buddy Cole Custer. I think uh, yes, please. I think the uh, laps he'll be turning in the Cup car will kind of translate over to Saturday and help him uh, give a little bit, little extra advantage.
1: Yes, please. I would love to see Cole win, but uh, unfortunately, in this case, I'm going to have to agree with both Cisco and Jacob Cobush. Uh and of course, Sunday for the Cup race. I'm going to start with Cisco just to see if he does what I think he's going to do, because I sense a pattern developing here. No,
4: no. No? I, I
1: already picked I picked different on Monday, and I'm going to stick with
4: him. He's two for the last four races at Vegas. Number two car, Brad Kozlowski.
1: Okay. Bad Brad for the win on Sunday. We've got Chris Murdoch.
3: Um, I'm going to try to stay two for two, because I called Kevin Harvick last week. Uh... But I have to agree, Jake, uh, or Cisco stole my pick, Brad Kozlowski.
1: Oh, okay. So we got two bad Brads. Jacob, you going to make it three? Actually, heck no. You're going to pick Kyle Busch. <laughs> Wrong again. Okay. You're going to pick Noah Grant. No, he's not even in the race. <laughs> no, You're he's gonna pick not. Cole Custer? I'm going to pick
2: defending race champion to sweep, oh. sweep, and
8: sweep, MTJ. Okay, Martin Trex Jr., Jesse. Strong pick. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna throw a curveball. I'm gonna say the 48 guys get it done.
3: No. Wow. Say, Jimmy Johnson. I'm gonna say
8: they're gonna come with uh, everything that that uh, frustrated with them at that frustrated them at Atlanta, and they're just gonna show everyone why he's seven time.
2: Pop quiz. Jimmy Johnson is the all time winningest driver at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. When is the last time he won there? I don't know. So, I bet Cisco knows the answer. I know, 15, because I haven't 16?
4: pulled up on racing reference, so I'm
2: That's cheating. You're disqualified. Was Ge- it 15 or 16? Oh, way further back than that. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> 2010. <laughs>
1: wow. 2010. So that's a, oh, Twenty ten. So that's an interesting pick. I don't think yeah. he'll be anywhere close, but who knows? <laughs> okay, I'm going with Kurt Busch. Really? Yes, I'm Solid. going with Kurt Busch, who has never won at his home track. By the way, yeah, but he was fast last week. He was fast Daytona. I think I think Kurt Busch goes out to Vegas and gets it done. And I wouldn't complain. No, it would. It, that's uh, it's, I think Sunday is going to be a very intriguing race. We're going to learn a lot about who's got what yes, after we are. Yes, this we race are. on Sunday. By the way,
2: uh, the other key note to all of this, as far as the truck race on Friday goes. A non-Truck Series regular has never won the Camping World Truck Series race, a Camping World Truck Series race at Las Vegas. Not even Kyle Busch has done it.
8: But side note to that, it was always a standalone event.
2: That's true. This is the, <laughs> the first driver time he makes it's a not. point. He does make a yeah. good point. Side note: it's a so, very
1: interesting point,
2: too. I, ha- I, I honestly had not thought about yep. that until yep. you just brought it up. You're right. It's never been a companion event. Yep. Yep. So I think. Uh, and now both of them are companion events. Well, <laughs> did you see Kyle's luck at Atlanta? True.
3: <laughs> true. <laughs>
1: It's The know, only reason
3: I picked Noah is because, I mean, he's had a good start. And, I mean, look who's on top of the box. Yeah. I mean, that four Rudy. car. Yeah, it's hard Rudy to
1: Rudy. Well, yeah. And, look, Noah, if nothing else, Noah's consistent yeah, from very. race to race. And I think he's come into this year with a lot of confidence, yeah sure. too. And, and, again, his second year in the series. And that seems to be – I mean, look – KBM. If you if you look you look at Christopher Bell, you know you look at William Byron, who obviously didn't get a second year, but you know you look at these drivers, and it seems like the first year they're really good, the second year they're phenomenal, yeah. and this would be the place for Noah to go win. Oh, definitely in front of the hometown crowd. So yeah, certainly that would be a a great pick. Okay, um, I think we got time for one last okay. round the table. So give me the driver you think is going to be the biggest surprise of the year in the truck series at the end of the regular season. I'm going to ask you to forecast out who's going to be the biggest surprise that we didn't see coming, Cisco. Truck
4: series.
1: Jordan Anderson. Jordan Anderson. Okay. So I I see some comparison between Jordan and Jesse here in terms of sort of the underdog making good. So hopefully Jesse gave Jordan hope after last week in Atlanta. Chris Murdoch. I,
3: I know I sold on him winning the championship or being a championship contender, but at the re- end of the regular season, Brett Moffitt. I think a lot of the regular NASCAR series watching fans have already written him off because, you know, that's what they do. But uh, I, I, I pick Brett. Jacob.
2: Myatt Snyder. I just have a funny feeling, honestly. And... That's not who I wanted to say. I really wanted to say Spencer Davis, but I really can't do that only because we don't know beyond Las Vegas what he's doing for the rest of the year. But if Toyota can step up and find a way to get him more races, I'd like to say Spencer Davis. But right now, especially the way he gambled at Atlanta, I say Mayan.
1: Well, and I'm going to agree with you. That was going to be my pick, too, Mike Snyder. I think he's only going to get better as he goes, and full-time opportunity for him is going to be great. Jacob, close us out.
2: All right. I will say it's been fun to have Jesse in the chair next yes, to us here tonight. Yes, we need you
8: back more. Absolutely. I'm glad we were finally You're able to do You're a great co-host. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I enjoyed it.
2: Absolutely. So, thanks to Jesse Little. Thanks also to Mike Garrity, Megan Colbin, our social media partners at Three Wide Life, as well as Bob Steele, Susan Mason, Bill Holt from the Carolina School of Broadcasting, behind the glass, and all the folks at PMN that make this show possible so for tom baker cisco Scaramuza and chris murdoch i'm jacob Seelman. reminding you to keep it off the wall folks and we might just see you at a racetrack somewhere have a safe racing weekend good, good night, night.
0: You've been listening to The Stock Car Show on the Performance Motorsports Network. Stay tuned to Performance Motorsports Network for more race talk. For the latest motorsports news, visit racechaseronline.com. The Stock Car Show is a copyrighted production of the Performance Motorsports Network. www.performancemotorsportsnetwork.com. A member of the Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated and may not be rebroadcast, replicated, or saved in any media without the explicit written permission of PMN. Check out our Facebook page or our section on the PMN website. The opinions expressed on this. are those of the host, co-host, and guests, and do not necessarily reflect those of the management and ownership of either the Performance Motorsports Network or Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated, the advertisers, or the marketing partners. Be listening again next week when the Stock Car Show returns on Thursday night at 7 Eastern. Until then, stay tuned for more great motorsports programming on the Performance Motorsports Network.